lazy Christians. I mean that. Now you're thinking, I don't know. Wait a minute. Maybe you're like me and you want to know kind of what you're getting into before you get into it. You touch the water to make sure it's at least lukewarm before you dive in. As a church, we are, uh, we're very serious about growing in faith. And we try to create spaces where anybody of any age can, can do that. We believe that the scripture is authoritative, that it's uh, profitable for teaching and encouragement and for correction and reproof. And uh, we are starting Sunday school today. I've got a, a friend. I want to invite Miss Kaylee to come up front. If you know Miss Kaylee, let's give her a hand. We need a microphone. And uh, Kaylee, you want to share something very exciting, don't you? Yeah, I have a lot to share this morning, actually. You want me to sit down? Is it going to be like that long? Yeah, like 45 minutes. Perfect. That's great. Yes. You have one. No, there's others clapping. He was clapping in the front row. He's ready. Yeah, we have a lot to share this morning. So exciting news. Sunday school is back up and running today after the service. Woohoo! So that is for kids and adults of all ages. That's right. I'm really excited about the kids part, but I don't want to forget to share that we also have adult Sunday school classes happening. So um, Tom Bemis's class is happening today, and he is going to be teaching about Genesis and Joseph in Genesis. Um, and Katie Graham also has a Sunday school class. So Tom is going to be in the Ellery room, and Katie Graham is going to be in the UMW room. If you don't know what those letters mean, go down this hallway. There will be signs posted. If not, look for Britta, and she'll help you out. Um, and Katie, this is really exciting. So Katie's Sunday school is going to go along with um, our kids' Sunday school program. So they have the same curriculum. So parents, and this is not just for parents, this is for anybody, but also for parents, you're going to be learning the same thing that your kids are going to be learning, just tailored towards adults. So how cool is that? That's really exciting. You can go home and ask your kids what they learned about and expound on that with what you learned in Katie's class. So we're really excited about that. Kids are starting today. You're going to head downstairs. I always call it the basement, and Melody told me that sounds kind of creepy when you call it the basement. So I'm going to try, fair. and it is true. Kids are in the basement. We're going to try and rephrase that. Kids are downstairs. Um, so you're going to head down there today at 10 o'clock um, and check in down there. We also have something new happening this year that we're excited about, and we're calling it Deep Dive. So the first Sunday of every month, our kids are going to meet downstairs, downstairs, not the basement, at 9 a.m. So that's going to happen during the service time. Kids get to go downstairs at 9 a.m. And we're just going to go a little bit deeper. So we're going to have that one Sunday a month to intro our theme. If you're familiar with Kids Crew, every single month we do a new theme. So kind of like VBS, we decorate for it and um, we do fun crafts and songs and whatever. Um, all the fun stuff geared towards that theme of the month. So we're going to go a little bit deeper into the theme, but we also have special guests, Pastor Tom and Pastor Joe, who will be making an appearance downstairs to talk about some different topics and go a little bit deeper. Um, so first Sunday of the month, just so you guys know. I also brought a list up here because I have a lot to cover. Sorry, guys. Um, we also have a fun incentive program for kids this year. So on your way in, if you've never seen the kids' crew table out here, it has the fun light-up letters over there. It says kids' crew. Pretty hard to miss. But there are clipboards hanging on the wall, and there's pages on those clipboards. So there will be different things each week that will go with our big idea that we're teaching downstairs. 
a verse of the month, um, things like that, and then some bonus pages. So as kids are working on those, and you can work on them with your kids, um, they can work on them during the sermon time, but they're gonna bring them downstairs to our friend, we lovingly call her Kara Claw Keeper. And that's because she is the keeper of the claw machine. Um, lovingly call her that name. So she, our kids are gonna turn in their pages down to Kara and they get points for all of the pages they complete. They can turn in those points um, to use the claw machine or later on if they have enough points, we are going to use those to help send kids to a Christian camp over the summer. So if they save up all their points, they're going to get money that goes towards that, um, just covering a portion of that camp. So parents, you can work on encouraging your kids to work on those things. They're gonna be memorizing Bible verses, um, books of the Bible, things like that. They get more points for those things. Lastly, am I still doing okay? Oh yeah, you're okay. You've got okay, like great. 42 minutes still. Awesome. We're doing great. Lastly, I talked about how Kids Crew, we decorate each month for our new theme. Um, this month is called Animated, and so it's all decked out with crayons and colored pencils and things like that, um, drawing on the ceiling. It's a lot of fun. And last year, you might have seen some really cool things happening, I know. Um, we had a lot of people volunteer to decorate for the month, and we're going to go ahead and do that again. I can get real deep into decorating, and we all know it, so I need some help in that area, um, which will allow me to do some other things as well. So I have a sign up. If anybody is interested in helping to decorate, it just sets the, t the theme for the month and helps get kids engaged and excited um, and keeps things new and fresh. So if you are interested in signing up for a month, you don't have to be highly creative. Um, there is a whole page of ideas for you, so you can do it with friends or your family, but you're going to find this sign up out on the point. Um, if you would just check it out and sign up for a month, that would be amazing. That's all that I was got. great. You have 30 minutes cool. still. Right. Anything else? That's all I have right now. Okay. Well, let's before you before Kaylee leaves, uh, I want to invite if you're if you're part of our teaching program. So if you help teach our kids in any way, shape, or form, if you help teach our youth in any way, shape, or form, or if you help teach our adults in any way, shape, or form, I want to invite you to come forward. I know you're like, wait a minute, we didn't sign up for this, but come on up here, um, just for a minute. Yeah, they're making their way. Uh, come on into the middle here, kind of. This is our little huddle. Yeah, come on in. I just want to share with the body for a minute. This is who you've entrusted your children, your youth, and our adults to, and they couldn't be in better hands. Um, I want to pray for them together as one body today. They have a very important task before them and uh, they know the weight of that responsibility. They've gone through the process to get to where they are and um, we, need to, we need to pray God's protection and God's usefulness and his mercy. So would you join me in praying for them this morning? Holy God, thank you for these women and men who have said, yes, Lord, I'll... I'll go where you send. I'll do as you ask. I'll be faithful, Lord, in what you've entrusted to me. God, I pray your blessing on them, that they know the presence of God in ways like never before, that they know what it is to walk and to live in righteousness. Lord, I pray for a confidence 
and an assurance, confidence in the scriptures and assurance of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you would use them in ways that we don't always understand, but later we recognize as being used by you. God, I pray that their hearts would grow two sizes, that they would love really well the people that you entrust to them, and that out of that great love that others would know your love. And God, that you would protect them. Lord, when the enemy begins to to sneak in the back door, I pray that you would close it firmly. I pray for their families, God, for their loved ones, for their friends. And Lord, we pray for the ministry. Jesus, you have given us all power and authority. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you have one task. Go love the hell out of them. Not just yet. Yeah, you can give them a, that's very appropriate. As, as teachers, I know that they don't take their, their job uh, lightly. Um, I've talked with many of them, and I've been able to, to labor side by side with some of them. And uh, it's, you're, you're in good hands, but uh, you're only um, in good hands if you participate. Right? It's kind of like Allstate. If you're, I probably shouldn't pitch insurance. I'm not really pitching insurance. I was just making a joke. But uh, if you participate, you're in good hands. They're qualified. Before we uh, go any further, I want to share a a little bit of exciting news for the church, but something for you to be very prayerful about. Our leadership team, a couple of months ago, we shared at our Cup of Joe uh, that our leadership team has been in this process of prayerful discernment about how we engage with with the kingdom of God in some meaningful ways and how we're faithful to that. And for us right now, it means that we're United Methodists. And uh, we're at a time when the leadership team has said, we have to raise some questions about that specifically, and we need the church body to engage with us in prayerful discernment. Uh, That language is just really to mean, we want you to be intentional about praying, about what it means to be part of the United Methodist Church. And as leaders, and our leadership team is unanimous on that, we feel that it might be the time to make a change. We feel that the authority of scripture has been questioned, that there is a little bit of tension or a lot of tension as it pertains to accountability. And we feel like God has entrusted resources to us that we might be able to use in some different ways. Um, So with that being said, uh, our leadership team is asking the conference to allow us to enter into a season of prayer. And for the next couple of months, we're going to be doing that. There'll be four times that we can get together and we're going to have town hall meetings. You can ask whatever questions you have. And I mean that, whatever questions you have, well, I probably shouldn't, like, what did I have for dinner? That's not really relevant to the United Methodist Church or to us at Bemis Point. But, um, and I'll do my very best to answer all of them. We're going to put in your hands after the service an FAQ sheet. And it's really just a small summary of some of the things that we'll be going over and why we feel like we should be engaging in this process. So make sure you grab one of these as you exit the sanctuary. We're going to be manning the doors. We're going to try to put one in everybody's hand. I realize that if I put it into your hand right now, you know what's going to happen for the next 20 minutes? You're going to read. (laughs) But one of the most important sections is right on the, when you open it up, and it talks about those four dates. You'll notice that there's language in there about Park United Methodist Church and Bemis Point United Methodist Church. That's because I'm the lead pastor of both of these churches. So we're entering into this season of prayer together. 
You can come to any or all of those meetings and we can talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what that means to be a follower of Jesus in the Wesleyan kind of way. Um, and hopefully we'll get some answers and then in, in December we'll have some follow-up conversations as we discern what is the best for our church and uh, that God has entrusted to us. One thing that the leadership team has commented on regularly, and if you're not familiar with Bob Mitten, Bob, could you stand just for a moment? Bob is the chairperson of our leadership team. Let's give Bob a hand. He's got to navigate, he's got to navigate uh, 11 wild and crazy people and then myself, and uh, he does it really gracefully. But uh, one of the things that our leadership team has acknowledged week in and week out is how God is moving in the church and how we're so excited about that. It's really neat to see and to hear the testimonies of what God is doing in your lives. And uh, we want to continue to hear those things. So after the service, grab an FAQ sheet and attend some of the town hall meetings, or one of them at least. We want you to have information. So when it comes time for us to make a decision together, we have entered into a season of prayer and we have received knowledge and uh, can move forward together. Before we go any further, I want to invite you to pray for me this morning. Um, I, I am aware of a couple of things. One of them is, and my, my girls are all with us today, which is kind of a, a unique thing since, they all, since two of them went away to college. And I just want to tell them personally, I know I've made a, a huge mistake this morning. Do you recognize what I've done? Oh, Ashley's nodding her head. She knows. Some of you might have noticed what I've done this morning. I, uh, my belt does not match my shoes. And, and I know for some of you, you're thinking to yourself, how could he go out in public? But I wanted to make my kids proud, and I made sure I matched my sock. <laughs> Both of them, actually, they match to my shirt. So we're in good hands. Uh, I'll get the belt eventually. But in all uh, actuality, uh, this morning, uh, I, was, I was burdened with the text that we're going to talk about today. And I hope that God opens the door for you through the scriptures. So uh, would you pray with me this morning? Holy God, we thank you and we praise you. God, not because of anything that we have done, but because of all that you have done. And Lord, now as we uh, go to your word, as I teach your word, as we receive your word, as we dive in together, may your Holy Spirit reveal to us who you are. So God, whether through me or in spite of me, Speak to your church, which is gathered here today in your name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want more of you, God. Uh-oh, Monty, I dropped your guitar pick. I got it, don't worry. These little things are... We're going to set that right... That's not... Uh-oh. I'm really screwing things up this morning. I want to invite you to do something that we haven't done in a while, but I want to... Um, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, and uh, I haven't been asked this question in quite some time. I don't know if it was a, it was more of a statement, actually, in quite some time, and the statement was, I really hope you can unpack this for me. I hope so, too. But I want to invite you to stand once you've found uh, Luke, chapter 16, I know this is kind of out of the context of what we normally do, but I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. These are the words of Jesus today. 
And I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. I know that it usually comes up on the screen, but I want to make sure that you hear the text. I know that my, well, actually, no, I can read it off the screen. How's that sound? I'm throwing our guys in the back for a loop. I can't tell if we got a thumb. We, get, we do have a thumbs up. Okay. I want to read it for you off the screen, but this is the word of God. So Lord, open our hearts and our minds as we read your scriptures this morning. Luke chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting the possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? For no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So I'll ask you again that question that came up at the beginning. Do you want more of God? It's a difficult text. In fact, when we gathered to, to begin our uh, outline work together, <laughs> Melody and Brandon and Tom didn't have anything on the paper. And they said, what's the main point here? And they were looking to me for an answer. <laughs> I want to share a couple of things. The first is the context. And this is important. So if you're reading in the scriptures right now, you need to know that this comes in the middle of what Jesus is teaching. So there's a bunch of parables taking place. This one is not unpacked or it's not told to the disciples what it means in regular language. Okay? So it makes it a little bit more difficult. One of the tendencies that we have when we read the scriptures is to think, well, I know what Jesus is thinking. Do you see the problem with that? It inserts ourself into Christ's thinking rather than inserting Christ into our thinking. That makes it difficult. 
couple other things that you should probably understand is that uh, a person having a manager of his estate was a regular practice. We kind of see this when we carry out the executor role in an estate when someone passes, right? They're the manager of what's been left and they have to make right with it. Well, it was common, it was oftentimes actually uh, a slave who would be the manager of the owner's goods because they would be faithful. Now, what on earth does that have to do with us today? And that's the question that I was asking is, God, what do you have for us? So I have a couple of questions and I'd like you to grade yourselves, okay? I, this is the first time you'll get to do this and maybe the only time. When was the last time your teacher said, hey, give yourself a grade? It'd be nice if they did, right? Or if the surgeon said, hey, give yourself a surgery. No, wait, don't, don't do that. <laughs> but I wonder, you know, how have you done with what God has given you in the last hour? In the last hour, how have you done? If you're like, eh, I failed miserably in the last hour, that would be a grade of a one, right? If you're like, you know, I've been really actually pretty good with what God has given me in the last hour, give yourself a 10. If you're somewhere in the middle, score it accordingly. So how have you done in the last hour with what God has given you? Very few of you are writing. This isn't just rhetorical. I want you to really think about that question and maybe even write down an answer. Maybe one of the questions that you're asking is, well, what has God given me in the last hour? Is that reasonable to ask? I'm hoping to teach a little bit here rather than just to preach, so stay with me. God has given you the very breath of air that you are breathing, the scriptures say. We sing a song. We didn't sing it today, but this is the air I breathe, right? It says that he breathed breath into Adam's nostrils. And apart from God holding all things in place, it ceases. God has given you the time. It says he knows both our coming and our going. Psalm 121. He knows everything that we will act upon. God is all-knowing, right? That, that fancy word is omniscience. He's all-knowing. God has given us time, and he knows what we're going to do with the time. How have you used the time that God has given you in the last 60 minutes? Ephesians chapter 5 says, uh, well, let me read it for you, actually. Ephesians is one of Paul's little letters. It says in verse uh, 15, it says, be very careful then how you live your lives, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, or some translations say, redeeming the time, or taking captive the time that has been given you, because the days are evil. Or how have you done with the financial resources that God has entrusted to you? Preacher, you're meddling a little bit. That's my money. I, I would really discourage you from thinking that. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The knowledge that you have, God gave you. 
and he's entrusted it to you to steward or to manage. Some of you work in the, in the, in the working world and you know what it is to manage things. You're in control of somebody else's stuff. It gets a little bit more complicated if you're the owner. Because do you see the difference in those two positions? The owner gets to call the shots. The manager just gets to carry out what the shots are that have been called. It's really difficult at times for owners to understand the reality that they actually don't own anything if they are in Christ. That he owns it all. Everything. So, we'll go back to the grading system. How have you done in the last hour? A one for, uh-oh, need a little help. Or a lot of help. Or a ten for, I'm actually walking pretty good with the Lord right now. I'm, I'm in stride. How have you done with what the Lord has given to you in the last month? The people that God has entrusted to you. We'll go back a little bit further. The last year. What kind of grading system have you given yourself? The scripture says multiple times that we're to be of sober mind or of sound mind. Right? It means clearly thinking of what God has entrusted to Being clear in thought. Having a, an accurate assessment. Not just my feelings. You can see why maybe this text became challenging for us. Because we weren't sure what the answers were. So sorry, I don't know that I have a clear answer for you that asked, are you going to unpack this for me? I do think God has a couple other things for us, so stay with me. I want to look at uh, two breaks in the text. In the beginning of this text that Jesus was, the parable that Jesus was sharing, there are two people involved, right? There's a rich man and a servant or a manager, a steward. And I think it's important to understand, and and hear me out, this is my interpretation of this. I have studied the scriptures, I have sought counsel in other areas, I have looked at what the church has taught on this for the last several hundred years. So this is my interpretation of that. You might have something very different, and I would love to discuss that with you. I don't hold the corner market on the knowledge of the Bible, believe me. We are all on level playing field. But I don't believe that the first two are about God and humans. And if I could tell you why, it's because it was described as a rich man and at the end of uh, verse 8, beginning of verse 8, he's commending his dishonest manager and God will never commend you for dishonesty. He will never say, well, that was good to lie or to steal or to not handle carefully. He'll never say those things. And the narrative takes a shift. So from God talking Jesus, God talking about a manager and a rich man to when he says, I tell you in verse nine, there's a narrative change. I came across this this week and I wanted to share it. Uh, it says, and, and I just want to When we have knowledge of something, the moment we have knowledge of something, we have some responsibility attached to that knowledge. Does that make sense? Are we on the same playing field here? So you can't leave here today saying, well, I don't think that, I don't know what what he's talking about. I think we have knowledge and then we have a responsibility that goes with that knowledge. 
This was a, a narrative that came in. It says, how does the thief on the cross fit into your theology or your understanding of God? The thief on the cross had no baptism. He never received communion. He had no confirmation. He didn't speak in tongues. He went on no mission trips. He had zero volunteerism, and he had no church clothes. He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. He didn't even say the sinner's prayer, and among other things, he was a thief. Jesus didn't take away his pain. Jesus didn't heal his physical body, and he didn't smite the scoffers. It says, yet it was a thief who walked into the heavenly realm the same hour as Jesus simply by believing. He had nothing more to offer than his belief that Jesus was who he said he was. He had no spin from brilliant theologians or preachers. He had no ego or arrogance. He had no shiny lights, no skinny jeans, no crafty words. It doesn't say this. His belt didn't match his shoes. He said it has no haze machines, no donuts, no coffee in the gallery. Just a naked, dying man on a cross, unable to fold his hands to pray. Some of you, that probably resonates really well with. Others are like, hmm, that's interesting. You aren't the thief on the cross. You have knowledge. You have been entrusted with time, resources, and people. And you will answer to God for how you've handled that. So when the righteous judge asks you about it, I don't think you're going to remember Pastor Joe in that moment, to be honest. But if you do, just remember that we preached on this. I think there's a couple of things to learn. The first is in verse 8. It says, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Remember, his shrewdness was in how he handled the resources. He was very quick to say, oh, my butt's in trouble. i got to figure this out, so I'm going to bring in some resources. And why did he do that? So he would be cared for in the future. Right? It says he did these things so that he would have a place to stay when he didn't have a job. And maybe his buddy that he gave a deal to would offer him a job too. See how that worked? In his mind? Isn't it funny how we oftentimes live in the world and we practice and we live just like that? We use people and things to advance ourselves and to care for ourselves rather than asking the question, are we being shrewd with the time that God has given us? Not shrewd in the negative text or context. Shrewd means having or showing good powers of judgment. There's some hope in that word. I know it sounds kind of negative, and it's oftentimes referred to as a negative. And his judgment was recorded as negative, but his actions, Jesus is saying, what if we were to act like that as children of the light? That's what it says at the end of verse 8. It says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. How are you managing 
what God has entrusted to you? Or are you not really sure that God has entrusted it to you? And I believe that's a very real source of tension for people. That we're not really sure if this is of God or not in the moment. I want to pause for just a couple of moments and uh, I want to tell you some of my own personal experiences. I meet with people all the time, all the time. And the vast majority of people that I meet with don't know this hidden truth, which isn't really a hidden truth. We live and we believe and we practice in the world like all of this is mine. And it's this quest for pursuit of whatever it is, the vast majority of people. But there are a few nuggets of gold who I have met with who understand this perfectly, who hold very loosely in the palm of their hand whatever it is that is before them, believing that it is from God and it is his to use as God sees fit. John Wesley in his covenant prayer said, um, said let, me be laid, let me be lifted high for thee or laid aside for thee. Let me have everything, let me have nothing. Just use me, Lord, however you see fit. I know this isn't the stuff they teach you in, in school when you're working towards college and career. It's asking yourself the question of how can I advance most efficiently, most professionally, whatever it looks like. Jesus doesn't ask that question of you. Jesus is going to ask you, how have you done with what I entrusted to you? I find it interesting that he invited the manager to give an account for what he had entrusted to him. Right? The invitation was there with, you tell me, you give me an account of the resources. Because I've heard that you were mishandling those. But you go ahead and tell me how you've done. People that walk with the Lord are students of the Lord. They spend as much time in the scriptures studying the word of God as they do in reading their stock portfolio or in studying for the trade that they're about to embark upon or in preparing for a test in school. They're students of the word. They live faithfully in their world of finances that God has entrusted to them. You know, it's been said that you can tell a lot about a person's heart by looking at their checkbook and their calendar. Right? Their checkbook and their calendar. How are we managing the time that God has given to us? How are we managing the resources that God has entrusted to us? You know, when we uh, at Park Church went through a building campaign, and I'm sure the exact same thing was done here. How many were here when we uh, built this addition? Take a look around the room real quick. Find one of those people and ask them about that time. Wait a minute, I should probably preface that. Maybe you should ask me about that time. Many people that have gone through some sort of building project with the church will, will say that, will make this statement, that it was one of the greatest things that bound us together because we had unity of vision in the moment. And we were moving in the same direction and we were challenged together and we, we saw God in ways that we had never experienced God before. And we received the blessings of God and it doesn't mean that their finances went up, it meant that they received the blessings of God which scripture reveals is the presence of God. Building projects have a way of driving us together. I remember the gentleman that walked in and, and helped us navigate the one at Park Church and his name was Bob Hallett. 
And Bob Hallett was a large, he's a big guy. Bob's a big man. He occupies space on earth. And he, and he teaches and he preaches with authority. And I remember my wife and I, uh, she wasn't at this meeting. And I sat down with Bob. And one of the things that they did is they, he asked the leaders of the church to commit to whatever it was that they were doing financially. And I remember Leslie and I had talked about this a little bit and we had prayed about it. And I sat down with Bob and I looked him right square in the eye. He's a big man. And I said, Bob, do you believe that the scriptural understanding of tithing is based on my cash salary or my entire compensation package? And he looked at me and I sought him for counsel on this. And he said to me, Pastor Joe, I'm not going to give you the answer to that. I'm like, what? what do you mean? He said, you seek the Lord. Do you believe that the Lord has given you everything or just the finances? We began tithing on our whole compensation package, which included our health insurance. That was nuts. And I've witnessed God move through our faithfulness and in, in financial resources. I've also witnessed my blockers where I have tried to garner time as my commodity. Tell God what I'm going to do for today rather than inviting the Lord to orient my day. Or in how we care for our children or the people that God has entrusted to us. Which, by the way, you didn't necessarily sign up. Well, I guess you kind of did. If you come to Bemis Point Church, you're my responsibility. At the end of the day, I'm going to give an account for how I navigated you, all of you. And I take that very seriously. So while I think the text is one of the more challenging ones in Scripture, I also think it's one of the more simple ones to understand. If we ask the question, God, how am I navigating the things that you have entrusted to me? Am I as shrewd with them as I am in the other things of the world or as others are? Or is there some areas for growth? The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. Are you using that which God has given you to advance the kingdom of God? All of it. Or are you squirreling some away for a rainy day? Jesus, be glorified today. Your scriptures aren't always easy, Lord. And I may have muddied the water this morning even more for us. But God, I know that you are good. And I know that you are faithful. And I know that even in the midst of difficult scriptures and difficult statements, that your Holy Spirit moves in and through all of that. So God, I pray for your church today. Lord, I pray that we'd be unified, that we would be bound together by your Holy Spirit in ministry and mission and service to the world. Lord, that we would use the resources of time and money and relationships to advance your kingdom so that on that glorious day, we might be able to say, I've acted faithfully, Lord.
Jesus, we pray now with the confidence of all of the saints. We pray in faith as you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to uh, remind us that uh, as a church, we, we do participate in our tithes and offerings. And I just want to give you a, a minute to reflect on, on how God maybe was speaking to you through not just the sermon, but through the scriptures actually. And then to give back to God in your hearts in faith, everything, not just money. To give back maybe the time that you have held on to. To give back maybe the relationships that you have held on to. To give back maybe the finances that you have held on to. I'm going to ask the worship team, can you lead us in a, in a song right now? And then uh, as we just kind of sit and walk through that, at the end of that, I'm going to close that out with a doxology. And then we're going to send you off today as changed people. But let's give back to the Lord today. <laughs>